I'm going to start. We're rolling still, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's do this. Actually, can you pass me the Polaroid? Sure. I'm going to start the episode with this. The sound of it? Yeah. I'm going to turn it on. Then I'm going to take a selfie of us. Is that cool? Yeah. So do I have your permission? Here. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be like with, you know, wires and stuff and microphones like yes, in it. You think that's it? I uh, Maybe. What do you think I might need to adjust? Uh, right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Three, two. It's not bad. That's good. Well. Wow, man. It's a great start to what's going to be a great podcast. Looking forward to it. <clears throat> Looking for artists. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for that segue. <laughs> <laughs> All you, right. You line them up. I'll, you know. You'll or just... I'll line them up. You knock them down. Okay, or both. Yeah. We're here. Right. We could be here for each other. I'm in. Uh, we already you know, did the Polaroid, so that's one cool sound. We can provide the audience with another. Cheers. Because I feel like this should be the most viscerally entertaining episode because we have someone who provides a lot of really cool texturing. I will try. I today. could bang on the table, too, in rhythm. That Maybe. actually... Okay, okay. All so, right. yes, this leads me to many yeah. things that we need to do, which is introduce who you are and what oh. you do, and I'll leave that up to you, but I also just want to throw in the air uh-huh. um, a question of the day and then a challenge of the day. You'll have to do both. Great. But you can do that after you tell us who you are and what you're from. Okay. I mean, who you are and what you do, not where you're from, because we can get into that later. Well, my name is Spencer Cohen. I'm a drummer percussionist living in Brooklyn, New York. I'm married to the amazing Shelley Duralami, and we live with our ornery cat, Moo Baggins. <laughs> Moo Baggins? Yep. What does Moo Baggins look like? What type of cat? Well, uh, sh- I don't know the exact, she's a mix. We've adopted her, um, but she has, she's black and white like a cow and has furry feet like the like a hobbit. So that's why the Moo Baggins thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know. Is it a full, like a full house or do you feel like everyone kind of has settled into their space, including Moo Baggins? Oh yeah, we, we've been, uh, we've been working on it. We just started our 12th year in our apartment in Brooklyn, which is crazy. Wow. How many years in the city? Uh, we came to school in 02. Wow. I grew up out right outside of New York, so I'm, it wasn't a huge... Sure. Where'd I mean, you grow culturally, up? Culturally, it was quite a shock, but um, I grew up in Rockland County, suburbs mm. in New City. I mean, it's, I mean, there are parts of Queens where Manhattan could be a culture shock. Yeah. I mean, there are parts of Queens that are a culture shock to me who spent, I'm a person who spends most of my time in Manhattan. Oh, I thought you were about to say spits. And I was like, I also oh, spit, man. I mostly <laughs> spit in Manhattan. <laughs> what neighborhood is spitting? <laughs> it's common in every neighborhood here, I feel like, except for, except for like Upper East Side. Yeah. There's no spitting there. No, no, there's handkerchiefs for that. And, Handkerchiefs yeah. or like dispo, you know, like spit stations. Mm-hmm. Yes, with a yeah. bench. Yeah, yes, you can sit down. Yeah. Okay, so Spencer, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I will. I might take you up on the beat on the table thing. 
Okay, yeah. You can move those wires if they're going to be in your space. Or we'll just use them. Or we could use them. Okay, so question of the day. And on the tail end of that, I'm also going to throw in a challenge of the day for you. Great. So question of the day is, you know, for you, I feel like I want to know what, if you could choose to be a shape and a color, like, for instance, it does not have to be this simple. It could, I could say your answer, a blue circle. Why? You know, what are, what's that shape? What's that color? And why would you choose that? And then my challenge of the day for you is for you to be on the table using whatever is in front of you um, in your favorite time signature mm. to, to drum in. Okay. Or percuss in. Well, I think because drums and percussion or drums and cymbals, a lot of circles, I feel like I res- really resonate with the circle. And Oh, cool. You know, that's, that was the first thing that came to my mind from that, and it just seems to fit. Yeah. And for some reason, the color, uh, like uh, forest green or a dark midnight green, I don't even know if that's a color, but like a, a darker shade of green. Is, midnight green. Is my sort of favorite color. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That kind of, that that brings me to a place visually. Like midnight green, I could actually, <clears throat> in Chattanooga, there were often nights where we were still playing when the sun was well, you know, tucked under the horizon. Mm-hmm. And we often played by like heavily wooded areas. And there's a very specific vibe of not only the woods at night, but the green on the trees looks different. And I remember like as a kid thinking, this is the same, these are the same trees that I see in the daytime, but they just, my experience and my interaction with them is totally different depending on what time. So I, I, I like that you said midnight green because that's a very specific thing. It's a different feeling than if you had just said dark green. Yeah. I, I, but that seems to work. I and you have a cat named Moo Baggins. <laughs> Yes, we do. Who would live in a midnight green, maybe, setting. I don't know. Yeah, if it was very comfortable with lots of blankets and, you know, plenty (laughs) of In the Hobbit homes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 with, like, tea on the boil at all times. At all times, yeah. Okay, so that's great. Um, Midnight green or a darker green um, circle. Yeah. Yeah, circles, drums, and cymbals. Yeah. Um, There's... I, I have one tattoo, and I want to talk about it just because it's it's based in time, or it is an hourglass, and time is very important to me as well as a drummer. And I feel like circles, clocks, there's something interesting about time because it's it's always going, right? So, or there's there's it's constantly moving, but there like when you look at a clock, it's just it's just repeating after itself, and yep. and time. So there's something infinite about it, but then something also very finite about it, which I right, love. Right. And being a drummer, time is I think being a musician in general, time is very important. Yeah. Well, being anyone in general, I guess. It should know. be. It should be, yeah. It should be important. <laughs> as a musician specifically. Maybe not as a person. I could see someone living a justified existence without really having to keep track of time. But maybe they're so in tune with that. Ex- that that was my point, but I didn't want to sound annoying. Sorry, so I just I will, left it I'll up to them. <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe that's their I'll truth, right? Yeah. Honestly, 
you know, um, there, I, I would assume that some, you know, tribes before the invention of a clock, you know, they didn't necessarily have to keep track of time, you know, like people that lived in a different, just a totally different environment. They didn't have like all this technology to rely upon, you know, maybe time was kept in a different way. I don't know. I mean, I do know other ways that time was kept. I'm just saying, like, you know, when I think of, like, early humans and how they navigated this world, there must have been, I mean, there must be some sort of, like, intelligence that, that they had that is either lying dormant in us now or we've lost it because, like, I get, I'm at the point now where if I leave my house without my phone, I kind of, it's not panic, but I don't feel good. You know, I, do, I just don't really feel good. Until like two hours later and you're like, why do I feel so free? Why does my brain feel so clear? And why do I know what time it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what time it is without your phone. That's amazing. Love it's it. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you brought time up because, you know, specifically with a clock and a circle, like it's constantly going, but... And it's different each time it passes that point of rotation or whatever it is. But, like, it's the same. Like, when it passes 12, when the minute hand, the hour hand, whatever it is, passes 12, it's the same 12 as it passed 12 hours before that. So it's, like, it's kind of like as much as you keep going forward, you're, it's all the same. It's all kind of right there, and you can see it within a circle. So I kind of like that. You know, there's no real start or end there's no starter or end to a circle just as you know you take the shape at face value so something kind of interesting about that to me yeah also the there's that quote you can never step in the same river twice i Mm. feel like that's a something that i think about yes it's the same 12 that's on the clock but 12 hours ago where were you and 12 hours from now where are you going to be right right it's going to be different probably even th- if you're in the same spot, what has happened over the last 12 hours? Who are you? Like, what, what is it? You're different. So, like, there yeah. is something. Yeah, do you, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, as an actor, as, as, as an actor, your goal is to have it be fresh every single time. And I'm speaking as an actor because that's like a perspective that I can very easily um, identify with because, I, I mean, I studied it for for four years and I did it for many years before and after that. So I really can relate to it. So like with an actor, you have the same lines. It's the same show. You know, you're in the same theater, maybe, depending on the production. But your job is to discover the moments on the spot. Is there, is that the case with drumming at all or with music? Um, you know, playing either solo music or in a smaller group or even a larger group, a symphony orchestra, a Broadway orchestra, whatever it is. Is there an element of striving to keep it fresh? Totally. And I, I think, uh, for the show that I'm currently playing Tootsie, it's, it's inspiring hearing the actors who uh, are saying the same lines and somehow still getting into it and being truthful and honest with their reactions. Right. Or, you know, I guess you could tell sometimes if like, oh, they 
jumped on that person's line because they were in this pattern of something else. But then like if that happens once, I feel like everyone is then like pulled back in to be like, oh, I'm going to react how I would react to say this line, you know, or uh, to be truthful in how they would present that line. And I think yeah. for the musicians, I think we kind of sometimes can fall into those same like, okay, this is the same same notes are on this on the page and I'm you know this is the same song and it's going to start and hopefully end in the same way Mm -hmm. but what are you going to bring to it today like same thing with the clock you know it's it's at a different time it's a different part of the you're stepping in the same spot of the river but it's a different river what are you bringing to the music today how are you feeling are you tired right how come this song that like you just check the metronome marking and it's 160 but how come it feels so much faster today oh did you have two gigs before in the day or did you go for a run earlier today why do you feel fresh on you know a certain day and then why did why is it why does the one song just feel perfect and then you play the same song even in a uh the second part of the day or the second show of the day on a two show day and it feels totally different. Hmm. That's what, that's some of the interesting things about playing on Broadway since it is eight shows a week and it is the same songs and it's the same parts. Like as you, I mean, that hasn't been my whole life. So just experiencing, and I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to be on this show. It's amazing. But I, I've had a different, I haven't always played theater shows and, and I haven't always been, I've been a part of the community and usually my show stints have been shorter, like Mm. with a max length of time of like a month. So to be, I mean, Tootsie is still a new show, but we've been open five months already. Right. And it's, it is interesting coming into, coming into work and being like, right. Okay. There's, there's all these, um, there's a job that I have to do and that's play the, best drums I can for this show and make it a great experience for the people that are coming to see the show. But it's different if you're on tour with a band, you know, you might be able to change the set list a night on a night, or maybe, maybe you had a discussion as a band and you're like, Hey, that one felt pretty slow or this song felt pretty slow last night. Let's, let's bring it up and like raise the tempo five BPM or something and see what happens. Whoa. I think, and that's a lot. That's, that would be like, That'd be big. But even if you changed it like two BPM, I right. think everyone would sort of be like, oh, this is going to be different. Right. And I feel like on tour, yeah, even if you just change the set list and you play the same songs, it's going to feel different. There's it's going to feel flow. different. <clears throat> and the audience is different. They're going to react differently. Yeah. I mean, I remember I, I have been making music with um, my friends and with myself <laughs> for a while. And like, one thing that I really noticed when I started to perform my music live is that some songs felt dead when I performed them in front of an audience because of whatever it is, the acoustics in the room, the energy of the crowd. Maybe it was just having you know that missing link. Again, as an actor, we talk about that last character joining the scene, which is the audience. So maybe it was just the audience joining me that I realized oh, this song needs to be bumped up, maybe just like you said, 2 BPM. And, I mean, to people listening that don't 
either don't know about music or don't know what we're talking about. It's like two beats per minute. You're changing the whole tempo of the song two beats per minute faster than it was, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it can completely change a song from the inside out. Have you had any experiences where that's happened to you? Um, yeah. This morning, we uh, I, I, I'm uh, part of the church band for the Resurrection Park Slope uh, church community, mm-hmm. and we played... I'm forgetting which tune it was right now, but we played a song and it was like a little, we were probably probably playing it at like 80 or 85 beats per minute. And the MD was like, you know what, can we just try it slower? And he pulled out his metronome and, and we went down to 75 and it instantly changed the song. Like the Whoa. vibe, everyone reacted to it differently hmm. and like grooves and feels completely changed. In what front- song was it? Um if it's worth it. I I can I can pull it up but I I Yeah, I mean, we can get back to it. Oh, maybe Oh Sacred Head, Head? Now yeah. Wounded? Yes. Oh, wow. So I mean, you're a drummer, so could you give us like a sample of what the original tempo you were going at is? So I think it was something to Something along that line, yep. and then so it it had like some real forward motion to it, some like sort of play with the swing. Like, was it the the traditional melody? I think so. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool. I feel like we we since our MD is a pedal steel player, we were playing oh cool pedal steel, piano, bass, and drums, yeah. and then uh, vocalist. So I feel like that it's already like yes, we are playing, we are taking the melody, and chords from it but it we're changing it just vibe wise yes yes but we slowed it down so we were like here and then we kind of shifted it down so we sort of straightened it out Hmm. and i was playing with brushes so and like just the the movement sort of took a breath and everyone mm. sort of sat back and allowed more freedom for the singer to sit within the, yeah. like, phrase, phrase the lyrics differently instead of just, like, getting them right. out. And, and there's just more space. And it's more, more space and time mm-hmm. for what you're singing to land. Because, yeah. like, I remember I grew up in the church, and a lot of the times our church music was so tight and the musicianship was so on it that they fell into the machine of just like everyone was hitting it right in the pocket you know but the songs sometimes they would sound exactly the same as the last time we did it which is kind of cool that they can be that consistent Mm -hmm. but it's also um there's something kind of like there's something really special when you can slow it down so that the people that you're singing for in you know you're in hopes you're singing for them so that they sing with you you're inciting worship right like there there's a fine line where you can 
maybe it's even just tempo wise where the tempo is just a little <clears throat> quicker and you know a little zippier than it needs to be and and the substance of the song is kind of washed over and it kind of not to come full circle and bring it back to my acting perspective but you were saying something earlier about how it's interesting night to night to see the actors and and where their you know their processing power is and sometimes they jump a line because maybe they they were expecting the same thing as last night or maybe they're just you know they're in a different place than their scene partner mm-hmm. you know it there's a fine line there too so it's this this issue of timing is like it's every it's kind of everything but you're you, the more you think about it the more you go crazy and it's like i don't know the more i'm looking at your tattoo the more i'm like really i like it a lot and i think it's it's obviously important to you but i think there's something important about keeping time so your job to me is kind of mind-blowing mm-hmm. and i had the i had the honor of doing a song with you uh, i went to central and was singing in the choir there and then for an offertory i did what we were talking about kind of with oh sacred head now wounded i did it with great is thy faithfulness where i repurposed like a lot of the original melody with some different maybe different chords and different timing and stuff and i remember bringing it to you that same morning and you listened to it once and kind of like got in the groove in your head and then played it. I think you played it. The, I mean, you played it the same time you listened to it for the first time and it was like a studio recording. And I was like, what the, f-? Mm-hmm. the musicianship, the level of musicianship was like outstanding. And you allowed me to keep time in a very weird song that I had only played by myself and in doing that, like, I was, parts of the song were revealed to me in new ways, like then and there. So it was kind of a lot. I felt underprepared because of how fresh and new the song was. It was like, it was kind of hard to sing through some of the lines because they were hitting me in a new way. Wow. That's so interesting hearing your perspective on this because I feel like when you in that moment, I feel like you are telling me either by saying like, hey, I would like this hit here or I would like this groove. I want it a little slower, a little faster, but I feel like how you play things and how you are singing them will dictate a lot. And I try and I'm like, I'm always listening and I'm watching to see like, okay, maybe maybe they said they really wanted it faster, but I've noticed like, oh, it's harder to, to get all the lyrics out or, you know, it's harder to play. It's just not sitting right. It's not feeling right. right. Like, so sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm listening all the time and I'm trying to make the most musical choices and, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't work sometimes, you know, like, be like okay that after a first pass at something it might be like yeah that that was okay but you know can we change this groove on the chorus and can we i don't know lose the shaker or lose that fill like let's do a simple simpler fill and you know it's it's always fine tuning but you know i i try and always listen always pay attention and and focus on what the song needs it's incredible, and that was very clear. And your ability to do that um, was remarkable to me. Um, 
like I, you, it stood out in my memory and it encouraged me like to bring that same level of attention and detail to my, my work and, and whatever it is that I'm doing. So thanks for that. But it's also like, it was very clear to me that that had come from years of doing just that, which is listening and being aware and paying attention and practice. Like at the end of the day, just so much time. It was clear that a lot of time has been put in. So that leads me to my next question, which is kind of like, how old were you when you started the drums? Where were you? And was it a gradual thing or did you kind of dive nose, you know, head first all in? What was it? Well, I have to say this since we are currently in Queens, but I was born in Queens. My parents uh, grew up in Queens and my father is a drummer, which is why I brought this up. That's but, crazy. Uh, born in Queens, father was a drummer? He's he's a... I, he's becoming more and more professional drummer, but huh. he was mainly a hobbyist weekend warrior drummer. Oh, cool! And uh, very instrumental in encouraging me to practice as much as I wanted to uh, hmm. while growing up. Which you know, to have parents that could take some noise, you know, it was it was. <laughs> I'm very I'm incredibly grateful for them. That's great. Um, but. They were they were instrumental in helping me practice, and, or not helping me practice, but you know, providing the lessons and and you know access to extracurricular musical activities. I started taking private lessons when I was seven, uh, and I continued to study. You know, I still take lessons all the time. I study from a teacher right now named Michael Hinton in New Jersey. He's uh, phenomenal musician his life story is crazy you should have him on the podcast cool um do you travel to new jersey yes okay so <laughs> it's mind-blowing to me that i'm a, I, I pick up hobbies and like just get super into them and then i'm like i go on to new things so and i'm not at all equating what you do to my hobbies but i'm just saying the dedication is incredible to me in terms of time, but also the fact that you're still going to lessons and traveling for them is like bonkers to me. I think that's awesome. We were talking earlier about the about the Gracie School of Jiu Jitsu, and I feel like that family continues to teach and and progress their yeah, art. You're right, and, but and, yeah, and that's so. I I feel very fortunate that I love what I do. I love making music i love creating music i love hmm. playing the drums i love plunking piano and composing as much as i can i feel like that's where i want to move more into um in my life but uh there's this i just love music there's this constant search for more knowledge like like, yes, I love playing the drums, but I want to know why the viola is doing this part, you know, to complement this string quartet. And I want to know why, like, this brass figure sounds great. And, like, if you did something else, or why are they phrasing it that way? And why, you know, is I'm thinking about uh, Tootsie right now. We have a brass section. Yeah. String quartet. But, like, you know, all these 19 players come together and, you know, how... We're watching one person 
who doesn't have a, a baton and she's conducting with her hand and also playing keys and like nodding <laughs> oh, her head. Man. But 19 people from that are all coming together and right. make this joyful sound. Right. And, you know, supporting this amazing music, which is, you know, uh, that these actors are just singing their butts off every night, killing it. It's crazy how many people are meeting under that one roof. Totally. To, you know, night in, night out, sometimes day in, night in, and day in, night out. Mm-hmm. But they're all there for a common goal and working towards that goal. And to me, it's like you can break it down. Like what you just did was you kind of like peeled back another layer of the onion, right? Like I've been in a musical and I've seen the the orchestra killing it. And I understood that, you know, they were all watching the conductor and the director, but it never really clicked to me that the cast, we we rehearse and we meet for however long it is before you you start the run. And then you're you're there all working together as a team to tell one story. Like the cast is serving something bigger than them, but then the orchestra is serving something bigger than the sound of just their music because their sound, while they're all following that one conductor to make that one beautiful sound, at the end of the day, that sound is just supporting, in many cases, the actors singing the story. Mm-hmm. And they're, the actors are singing to support the story. And it's just kind of crazy to me that like that just happens like all of it is happening at once. So my, I guess my question for you is like, when you're kind of sitting there and your your curiosity banks are exploding in your mind, is it, this question may have an answer, it may not, it could be a little bit of both, but are you curious as Spencer the drummer or are you just curious as Spencer like the person who just loves music? Is this a music curiosity or or a, like, how can I understand the brass section in order to play my instrument better? I think I'm just on a journey to try and be the most well-rounded musician cool. I can be. Cool. So I know there's like a slew of drummer jokes as, and some of them mostly, or some of them focus on drummers being less of a quote unquote musician than other players that play melodic instruments. Uh, and you know, that's a thing. It is. Uh, I know as a vocalist, I mean, that's a whole other category. Right. Do you have any good vocalist jokes? Well, just that we're not musicians. Like we don't have to learn anything. We just feel it out. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no practice. You just feel the right notes and you can do it. It's like, all right. Yeah. And my favorite drummer joke is, do you know how a stage is level? No. There's drool coming out equally on both sides of the drummer's face. <laughs> <laughs> That's just rude. It's great. I That's love it. That's so mean. I love it. it. It's hilarious, but it's also rude. I mean, yeah, you take the drums away from any of your favorite songs and they will not become your favorite songs. That's like taking the promise of eternal life out of Christianity. How many Christians would you know? Jeez. But like rhythm too, you know, like rhythm, rhythm is, is a part of everything, which, which I, you know, I, I just, I love playing the drums, but I'm, I'm on a, I'm trying to be on a, 
musical journey and learn as much as I can. Okay, that's great. So what's the next step? I'm working a lot with my friend Wills Bates in LA. He owns a company called Fall on Your Sword, and he composes music for film and television. Fall on Your Sword. Yes. Cool. Uh, so he did the music for The Path and uh, and many other movies. He's He worked on um, The Magicians. Mm. Mm. Uh I keep thinking of this movie, Stephanie in the Water, which is a documentary. Which <laughs> but I did, a, did I he do on. the music for that? Yes. And you played on that? Yes. Oh, Stephanie in the Water? Yes. And also Bright Lights, the Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, right? Uh, the documentary on HBO. Oh, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yes. You do, are you also on that? Yes, which was really, really fun. Awesome. Let's double check that before that makes it on the thing. <laughs> um, I could check. I'll check it right now as you continue talking. Yeah. About your next step. So something that I've really found that I enjoy a lot is the creative process for scoring film, film and television scenes, and like capturing what the tempo is. Like what? What is the base tempo for this scene? What what tempo is going to hit the marks of the scene? And then like what rhythm will and what pad or you know like all these? What sound would help shape the scene to make it the most impactful? And I think I've been there's this really cool movement of like seems like minimalist composers. Uh, I don't even know if they can be classified. Like Niels, uh, Niels Frame, do you know him? Mm-mm. He's amazing. I, I think w- what my buddy Wills is doing is like a lot of synth work with pads and then like yeah. he'll add rhythmic elements yeah. to it. And when you watch something, there's this, I mean, it could be anything. It could, it could add um, like an epic nature to a scene or it can, you know, make it creepy or it can make it, exciting it could make it very chill and meditative it can make it anything you need it to be totally the magic of sense and the magic of rhythm and the, the magic ma- of music <laughs> yeah the Yay. magic of, t- of time circle. right of yes. keeping time yeah so uh wills has been very uh we've been friends and we played in a band together for a while under the same name fall on your sword I love that name, by the way. So good. Yeah, so it good. is. Um, but it's been really cool. Uh, he moved out to L.A. three years ago, and I hadn't seen him as much. And we just started, he asked me to do, oh, this is what happened. So there was a show on Showtime called Sweet Bitter about the, it's like a drama set in the restaurant industry. Um, Whoa, it's, it's also, I'm already in. <laughs> I'm already in. It's based on a book. Uh, Stephanie, oh gosh, I'm... We need a fact checker. Yeah. Here, use the iPad. Don't interrupt the recording. Sweet Bitter is the name of the show on Showtime, and Wills did the music for it. And he was like, he pitched the idea that, I'm sorry, the showrunner was like, we love Birdman. Birdman was amazing, which was like all drums. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty... Sorry, Stephanie Dandler. Yes. So Stephanie Danler wrote this book, Sweet Bitter. It's about 
her life in the restaurant industry. She moved from the Midwest and hmm. kind of, or I guess it's fictional, part fiction, part like I think she had a lot of real experiences in there. Um, oh, okay. But this interesting. She, yeah, I, I don't think it's like her. Uh, it's not autobiographical, right? Uh, based based on it's true definitely events. Definitely a novel. Yeah. So, <laughs> whatever way she wanted to present those stories. But That's cool. Wills did the music for the TV show, mm-hmm. and the showrunner's like, "We love Birdman. We want like drums." And Wills <clears> was like, "Cool." But instead of jazz, how about we do like rock, like Foo Fighters, Ooh. like just drums. So uh, I flew out to LA and we did a session and we did like all these drums and like different, like different grooves, different tempos just to, so he had stuff to work with and he will like take those, cut it up, add different um, effects to make things work. So he played a couple of things for the showrunner and they were like, yeah, we, that's cool, but we have this other idea. We know it's a little bit on the nose, but can you do like percussive sounds with things you might find in the kitchen? Hmm. And I, I was only out in LA for like a day or two. So he had gotten that sort of directive after I had already left. So Wills was like, can you do something? So I have a little Apogee One, which is a microphone and a digital audio converter. So you get, like I plugged it into my laptop. I went into my kitchen. I was just like, okay, here we go. Grab a wine bottle. Yeah, and I loop that in Ableton. Da, 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 da. Whoa. And then, you know, like water running, chopsticks. <laughs> and I like grabbed a mallet and I was hitting our broiler, like just for some like big or whatever, the stove, the lower part of the stove. I don't even know if the broiler works. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was awesome. And That's I was, so I cool. Just, it was so inspiring because I was like, what sound does that make? Like, right. try that. Right. You know, and yeah. And it was, it was really fun. I use Ableton, which is very easy to set up a rhythmic figure and or a melodic figure for that matter and loop it instantly. Mm. So like you record an idea stop boom now that's on a loop and you're just like I would just layer a bunch of different things and I would send wills like he would just give me a tempo. He'd be like, okay, 120 BPM. And I would come up with some sort of like lower texture or some like sort of rhythmic. Like thing. foundation almost. Totally. To just keep it centered. And then I would grab everything in the kitchen, forks, knives, the 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 divider tray that holds yeah. them and just like, you know, make like cheese grater sounds, like everything. I turn the water on and off. Like, yeah, dude, that's so fun. I send him all this stuff, and he goes, "This is amazing." They're free. Oh, salt and pepper shaker, uh, which they wills and fall on your sword. Um, got Shelly and I a really nice pepper grinder for our <laughs> wedding. So it that's was cool. Full circle. Full circle. Used it. 
Oh, you used it in the take. Oh, yeah. That is brilliant. So, I mean, your craft, like, essentially just, like, kind of, like, like, changed your reality. Like, it turned your kitchen into, like, a creative playground. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. And I think I loved getting that directive of, like, can you do something at this tempo? Yeah. And it was like, man, there is no box around that. Like I can just, I can do anything. And so I just did whatever came to mind. And I gave him a couple examples at different tempos and gave him all these different textures. And he's like, this is amazing. Cause he loves to get in there and really he'll mess with things. Mm. He was also saying that it was, this was, Working on that show was interesting because the editor for the show actually took a lot of the stems that I did and they like mixed them in different ways. Whereas Wills was used to like mixing things at the level that he wanted. So he went to the premiere of the show and he was like, Yeah, man, your pepper grinder was up front and personal in one of those <laughs> kitchen scenes. And was like, Oh my gosh, that's I did so that, cool. you know, in my kitchen. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, that's really cool. So, what was the uh, what was the most surprising sound maker in your kitchen? Where you were like, "Huh, wow, that's a really cool sound." I don't. I like thought initially, like when he was like kitchen sounds, I was like, "Oh yeah, chopsticks on metal is gonna be cool." But I was really surprised at the metallic timbre of our stove when I hit it with a soft mallet. I couldn't believe the low end that was created, Whoa. and also the higher shimmery from hitting metal huh and i you know i didn't want to dent it or anything so it was just like a very like tried to um i I was playing like a timpani but like a very soft stroke with a very soft mallet yeah and just had this like kind of beautiful blossoming tone to it which i would imagine is more it's richer than a tone that you could get if you were just like hammering your stove trying to get that same sound right Totally. Which and is kind of kind of comes back on like a lot I think I feel like there are a lot of lessons about life in music. Yeah. There there's one. Well, there are two so far. It's important to keep time because time is everything. And two, like sometimes you in order to get what you are trying to reach, you don't try as hard. I mean, I, I think it's interesting because your trip to LA, like maybe you getting flown out there happened just so that they were like okay that like we obviously want to work with you but this isn't the idea we want to go with can you just screw around in your kitchen you know it's like sometimes the best takes are the ones that take a quarter of the amount of time or or preparation than you know the first one the one that you thought was going to be a home run and and the showrunner and the composer kind of jumped on board with that idea, and then when they heard it, they were like, oh, that's not exactly the thing that we were hoping it was going to be. Right. But, you know, like so many things sort of happened. To me, you know, we it was great that we were able to try that yes. so that they were like, oh, that isn't exactly what we want. Can we do something else? And can you try yes. this idea? Yeah. And we did, and then they, like, loved it. So then they got something that they were really, really excited about, which was amazing. And that that really was kind of the moment that I was like, oh, this is fun. This yeah, is man. really, really fun. And I love 
Wills is an incredible musician who is um, so great at letting you create. Like he will give you kind of an, a, a directive, like, hey, this is the song, like this is the cue, this is sort of the vibe of the scene. I have this idea. If you want to do something like that, that's great. If you hear something else, go for it. And it's always like when he has something in 3-4 that he writes a lot in 3-4 time signature, um, it's always interesting if I if I just immediately turn into a 6-8 feel. <laughs> uh, so instead of 1-2-3, just adding a backbeat now and make instead of two measures of 3, turning it into one measure of six, eight. So it has more of a back and forth pendulum. Love option. it. And I think that changes, like he tends to think more in three. I mean, he's composing all sorts of awesome things, but it's just funny when you like do something just a little bit differently for another musician. They're like, Whoa, cool. It's great. I mean, to like come that. full circle, that's what you did for me. So yeah, maybe you have a gift for that. I don't know about that. You're the I keeper just... of time. Spencer, the keeper of time. Oh, gosh. Where's it's... the wine? <laughs> that's awesome, man. I mean, I think that that's, that's really, really great because in that circumstance, you're not only getting paid to do what you want to do, which is to create things, but then you're also given the opportunity to actually do your job, which is to be a creative, as opposed to just literally hitting your mark hitting your beat when it's expected of you you know you have that when whenever you're getting acknowledged i guess as a creative and trusted to play there's something that's so satisfying about that it's all it's it's a different satisfaction as getting to show what you've been working on to people and having them like it mm-hmm. but when you're making it and then the people that are on the team that you're making it with are they're, they trust you enough to like play like I whenever I find myself in those moments I look around at the people in the room and I try to keep like a list you know I'm like this is who I was with when I was feeling just f- full right and this moment was captured everything for me like I got to do the thing that brings me so much joy I was with people that supported that vision and we're on board with that vision. Yeah. And or responded from that. Yeah. And I want to do this all the time. Dude, okay, so this leads me to my next question. And uh, uh, first of all, what time is it? Yes. Um, when did we start? So, uh, I'm going to say 807. Um, okay, so I just want to keep track. Yeah, it's 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 dangerous for me because I don't want to keep time, but now that we keep talking about it, I want to respect yours and because I could keep going because it's just very fascinating to me what you do, which leads me to my next question, and I'll, I will get you out of here uh, not I'm, to. I'm, I'm very much enjoying this. Okay, so good. Thank me you too. again for having me. And in. thank this you again great. for being on, and thank you for helping me keep time um, <laughs> with my life and with this podcast. But this it, something that we were just talking about sparked a question, which is, you said you wanted to do this your whole you you want to do this your whole life you want to continue 
or finding yourself in rooms of other creatives trusting you and allowing you to do that. So I guess my question for you is, how did you get from seven-year-old Spencer, who's just loving the drums and living your seven-year-old life and having you know, parents that encourage you to practice. Like, how did you get from that place to the place of you basically acting like a seven-year-old in your kitchen, but getting paid to do it on the level that you're doing it? What, where, because, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it's kind of like for you looking in the mirror every day, you don't, maybe you don't notice the change, but for me, I'm like, whoa, how would, how would a seven-year-old who just loves the drums get to there? You know, how does that happen? It is not a straight line, that's for sure. There's a lot of different points and and uh, back and forth over what you thought was going to be a straight line. Hmm. I think when I started, I was like, I just want to be in a band that like tours the world and, you know, can live on that and, you know, enjoy, just travel the world, play the drums, that's it, done. And then as I got older... In high school, I did musicals and and community theater, regional theater, did that in college where I initially went to college as a jazz major and then switched to music education, uh, which I think took me actually away from playing more. I, hmm. I mean, I learned so much about the art of teaching and I'm just fascinated by and so incredibly grateful for all the teachers that I've had and seen and worked with and, and just teachers in general. They have a very difficult job and they love sharing the knowledge to to their students. Who uh, may or may not be appreciative of that. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think after I graduated from college with the music education taking like at the forefront, I was like, okay, I want to take both, both Shelly and I felt the same way. We were like, let's, let's kind of pursue what we want to pursue. And that ended up taking me on the road for about 10, 10 years. I was, what? I was touring drummer in and out of New York. I had gigs and I would teach and do odd jobs in New York. And then I'd go out on the road for like, a month with this band and then maybe two months with this huh. band. And then I got some, in 2013, I was in Germany with my buddy, Nick Howard. He won the voice of Germany at the end of 2012. We did a bunch of touring the following year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I also did a theater show that year, which kind of also reignited the spark for the love of theater hmm. and also the love of a consistent regular hmm. job in one place. So I filled in for a friend. Interesting. Uh, a friend of mine played drums on this show called Mission Drift, which is a production put on by this theater group called The Team, and it chronicles American greed through two immortal characters um, I think like beginning in the 1600s when the Dutch first settled the Whoa. country all the way up to, I think it ended technically in the 70s. Uh, maybe not. But it like, I remember there was like a big Elvis moment in the show. <laughs> That's um, a lot of time to cover. Totally. And it, it was a really cool show. They had done it at the Edinburgh 
um, festival, mm-hmm. and then they did it in Asia. I'm, I'm forgetting where, but anyway, they traveled around with the show. It was very popular. London wanted to bring it, or um, the National Theatre wanted to bring it to London for a month-long residency at their like kind of experimental theater thing called The Shed, which is no longer there. I think hmm. they moved it to Oxford. It was like a separate standalone structure there or whatever. Um, it was great. It was really fun. But the drummer had missed so much time with all these other touring or other shows and other touring opportunities. Like, I can't make it. Can you do it? I was like, yeah, totally. So <laughs> I did. I was in London for a month playing this show after being on the road, you know, like different different bands or or just, you know, being away from home for right. a month at a time. I was like, oh, man. And Shelly came over, and she was living with me in London, and it's like, this is amazing. I'm doing one thing that I love. This is a really fun show. I get to play the drums, hmm. and we got to explore the city. It was a very romantic trip and a, like, wonderful way to be working and, and seeing a city. And I think that really... That was definitely a turning point for me where I sort of shifted away from road work, solely basing my life around different mm-hmm. tours and road work. And it definitely took a couple of years, but now I find, I mean, I, I still will go out a couple of weeks a year with, you know, people that I really love to make music with and play with and, and other um, bands that are just, you know, I love the music and, I still love to do that, but my main passion in life is being in this amazing city and creating the music that we can here. I mean, you could do, as I was saying before we started, like you could do a jazz gig, you can play a Broadway show, you can do, yeah. uh, you know, be part of a church service or yep. be teaching the amazing youth in this city. Um, yeah, I just, I love being here. I love being home. I feel like I really work well being home and doing a lot of different things. I love that you said that because I, I feel like a lot of people, it's different for you. <clears throat> the difference in the example I'm about to give mm-hmm. is that you wanted to be doing what you were doing, which was gigging out, traveling with these bands and being away from home and, and you pursued that lifestyle and then once you achieved it, you you had the awareness to not only see that maybe like that's not what you wanted, but then you, you kept the desire and the hunger and the commitment to the craft and but you, you made it like I guess more specifically tailored to your needs and you found another avenue or you found another room within the same roof which is music musicianship so i think it's cool that you had the courage to do that and you worked hard to like continue your career in music but just kind of like not doing what you knew wasn't healthy like for you i guess like because at the uh, maybe it wasn't you weren't your health wasn't suffering but you you realize this is not necessarily the 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 way in which I want to be doing what I'm doing and and um I I just feel like I know a lot of creatives not just musicians and not just actors but a lot of people even that you know they're doing this thing that is either expected of them 
or that they thought they wanted to do and so they just do it, you know, or they think they want to do it, but it's not making them happy. You know, I think that we could all be a little, uh, just a little bit more aware, especially as creatives, like, hey, is what, you know, you may be doing what you want to be doing, but are you doing it in the way that you know is best for you? Because I think at the end of the day, to come full circle, how you feel about what it is that you're doing and where you're doing it actually does affect the work. And it affects, like, your path and, like, what you were saying. It it wasn't a straight path. It's just kind of, like, going all over the place. So I think the more that you can trust that, kind of what we were saying earlier is, like, strip yourself of the phone, strip yourself of the distraction, like, listen to where you are, see if you're keeping time, you know? See, if you, I mean, continue the journey that you want to be on. I think that was that was where I... I saw what I was, or what was happening was awesome, but it wasn't like I touring wasn't the best place for me. Exactly, it's and, not that it's I not still, awesome though. Totally, yeah. yeah. People, people can really do it, and yeah, and and it, like I could do it for a shorter amount of time, but I love I love having the regularity of the crazy life. In That's New awesome. York. Yeah. Because it's cool because with, with under this one roof of New York, like you touched on, you can do all these different things, which is very, like, I think specific to this city. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying, you can have culture shock if you grew up in Manhattan and you venture out to some pockets of Queens mm-hmm. or vice versa. So you can, there's a wide range. It's kind of like New York City is your oven where... You may look at it and think you got it like under wraps, but there are so many different sounds that can come out of here that it's actually like, wow, I don't need to, I don't, maybe I don't need to go anywhere else. I can get it all here. So that's, it's, I guess that, that might be the trap of this city, but I, I just think it's cool that, you know, you set goals, you crushed them, and then you reevaluated and you were like, oh, I'm going to set different goals. I love that. And I think that every artist, every creative can be, can learn something from that. Cause that's the only way you're going to keep going forward, right? That's the only way it's going to be the same river, same place, different river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Continue the journey. Be, be passionate about what you want to, um, follow and what, what you want to do. I, yeah. At the end of the day, just, if you're passionate about what you want to do, I'm passionate about being a musician. Yeah. And I am excited about learning more. I saw I saw your study of orchestration book and I'm like, yes, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to, I want to learn that. I want to like like that that's one of the things I think about at the show. I'd like, yes, I'm playing the same drum part with slight little variations in it, but I love hearing what the the horn lines are in certain sections and like, and hearing with the reeds and the brass and, and how that interplays with the strings and what they're doing and, and just learning this art, like, which is, you know, not, if you think, Oh, you're just a drummer, you play, you hit things, you know, it's like, yeah, I guess technically I hit things in time, hopefully, (laughs) but man, am I thinking, I'm trying to think about everything and just, coming back simply to serving the song. Yeah. How do these orchestrations serve the song? Why does that line 
that just pops in in between the the verse and the chorus kind of tie everything together and and keep the listener in it like yeah. okay cool yeah. yeah yeah i want to know what happens next what happens next yep well all i can say is thank you because <clears throat> not only for this but i mean the reason i had like i asked you to come over and be on this podcast is because um either knowingly or unknowingly you your curiosity and love and passion for music is infectious and encouraging and i mean to this day i think about just that brief moment of time that i got to work with you on that song and it's like it it really has impacted the way that i approach my work so thank you and like you're out there making waves Man, thank you so much for having me, and I can't wait to see all the beautiful art that you're going to and create forward. Same to you. Thank same you. to you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything you want to say before we pull the plug? This is could potentially be a rabbit hole, but I just want to say this out loud. I think one of the most important things for an artist is learning how to deal with and understand money and i'm sorry to bring this to this but i feel like as an artist if you can budget and live below your means you will have the freedom to create if you're wallowing in debt and or just drowning in it it's really hard to be creative and uh feel free to pursue the dreams that you want to i can say amen to that yeah sorry to and go preachy on money. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. I want this podcast to be helpful as well as entertaining. So thanks. So then we'll bring it full circle and then we'll actually pull the plug. So my new my challenge of the day is the same. It's okay. it's gonna be a similar question, but a new river. And it's gonna be this. Challenge of the day is to not only play a beat in your favorite time signature mm-hmm. for us using whatever's in front of you. But because you already kind of did that to explain a, um, a, one of your circumstances earlier, I'm going to add a twist to the challenge, which is <clears throat> this beat should incite um, some financial budgeting and clarity in oh the listeners. God. Okay, so whatever this beat is should get people's, you know, whatever, what's it called? Turbo taxes. They need to get that TurboTax tab open, and they're like, I got to get on this, and they do it to the beat of whatever you're about to provide. Well, I need you in there, so you got to help create this with me. Okay. All right, so here's the part that I want you to do. I want you to go... Cha-ching! 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 Ching, 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 ching. All right, I gotta do my taxes. Thank you. This is looking for artists. Thank you. All right. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.